yet thus he died, afar from all, who might have mourned his early doom. Strange hands his drooping eyelids closed and bore him to his nameless tomb. Hello, my name is Eva, and welcome to Restless Times in History. Firstly, my apologies for no podcast last week, but life simply got in the way as it is wont to do. But now we are back, and on today's episode, we are going to delve into the mysterious death of the 19th century author Edgar Allan Poe, an author known for such works as The Raven, The Fall of the House of Usher, which is one of my absolute favorite short stories, and not least, the story called The Murders in the Rue Moog, which helped pave the way for the popularity of the detective story. Edgar Allan Poe died in 1849, and ever since, numerous theories, rumors, and conspiracies have put forth so many explanations or attempts at explanations that give coherence to the mysterious circumstances surrounding his far too early death. Did he succumb to alcohol poisoning? Was it a case of suicide or was he done to death by agents unknown? Now, his biographers and historians in general have argued for one theory over another with words used as weapons in missives against their opponents. How did this author, recognized as a premier writer in the canon of American literature, really die? In the last few years, new theories have emerged, theories supported by first-hand accounts from people who actually saw and read the contemporary evidence of the time. Matthew Pearl, the award-winning author of The Dante Club and The Poe Shadow, has put forth a theory that answers some of the questions about the mystery of Poe's death. But to understand Poe's death, we have to consider how he lived, for perhaps his life may give answers to his death. Edgar Allan Poe was born on the 19th of January, 1809, in Boston, Massachusetts, to parents who were actors. But he was in fact raised by a foster family who gave him the name of Allen. Poe lived in Britain for five years, attending boarding school in Scotland and in London before he returned to Richmond, Virginia in 1820, and he lived here in the American South until he left the University of Virginia after one miserable year. And then, after a failed attempt at a career as an army officer, he purposefully had himself court-martialed and expelled from the military academy called West Point. He moved to New York in 1831, and from then on, he pursued a career as a writer and sometime editor. In 1835, he married his first cousin, Virginia Clem, he being 27 years old and she a mere 13. Now, this was not a scandal per se, but it was unusual even for the time. By all accounts, theirs was a happy marriage and he was rendered distraught when Virginia Poe died of tuberculosis, 
what was then called consumption, in 1847. Friends described his bereavement as a dark depression that descended on Poe, and this was the basis for the later hypotheses that he died by suicide, though no hard evidence or even literary evidence corroborates this assumption. Edgar Allan Poe had, throughout his life, had intermittent periods of heavy drinking, though the later rumours of him being actually alcohol-dependent, or, as it was described at the time, a depraved, raging drunkard, were contested by his friends and also by later historians. Poe's ambition in life was to live of his writing and edit his own literary magazine. But though his work was well-regarded and praised, at least in literary circles, Poe struggled financially throughout his life. For example, as his wife lay dying, it was his friends who provided her with a warm blanket as she was only covered in Poe's winter cloak, the couple having no means to secure adequate clothing or firewood. So the image handed down to us today is of a man with an undeniable talent for writing, bouts of drinking, perpetual financial difficulties, and with a loving wife whom he in turn loved deeply. Yet this very man died surrounded by strangers, disheveled and disorientated, en route from Virginia to New York. What exactly happened in Poe's final days? We do know that Poe visited family in Richmond, Virginia in September of 1849 and left this southern state on the 27th of September, intent on returning to his own home in New York. Before leaving Richmond, he asked his aunt, Maria Clem, to send a letter to him in Philadelphia under the name of E.S.T. Gray. Poe had intended to visit Philadelphia during the autumn of that year in order to edit a book of poems. Now, exactly why Poe requested his aunt to write to him under the pseudonym E.S.T. Gray is unknown. Perhaps it was just a simple precaution. He was becoming a well-known name after all, and he may simply have wished to keep inquisitive eyes of his correspondence. Poe did not survive to visit Philadelphia, and the letter was never collected. In fact, on the 3rd of October, 1849, a notice was put in the Philadelphia Gazette announcing that this very letter was still awaiting its recipient. And just as Poe never made it to Philadelphia, he never made it home to New York. There are no reliable sources to confirm Poe's whereabouts from the 27th of September, when he left Virginia, until the evening of the 3rd of October, when he was found in a state of acute delirium in what was then called Ryan's Tavern in Baltimore, Maryland, a state northeast of Virginia. He was found by a concerned passerby, the printer Joseph Walker, who was able to extract just enough information out of Poe 
to pen a hasty note to one Joseph E. Snodgrass, yes, that really is his name, an acquaintance of Poe's who lived nearby. In the note, Walker stressed, Poe appears in great distress and he says he is acquainted with you and I assure you he is in need of immediate assistance. Snodgrass later described the sight of Poe as the former arrived at the tavern. Poe, Snodgrass claimed, was unwashed, haggard and clothed in a dirty shirt with no vest and unpolished shoes. This was remarkable as Poe had always been neat and tidy in his habits and it was believed then and now that the clothes he wore were not his own. Snodgrass had Poe admitted to Washington College Hospital and there he was attended by the physician John Joseph Moran who kept him in a small room with barred windows in that part of the hospital used for the drunk and the disorderly. Poe was even denied visitors, which meant that Dr. Moran was the only witness to Poe's final days. Poe never managed to give an account of his whereabouts from the 27th of September to the 3rd of October, nor did he ever manage to tell anyone what had actually happened to him. Still in a state of delirium, Edgar Allan Poe shuffled off his mortal coil and slipped from this life into death on October the 7th, 1849. He was 40 years old and had greatly inspired and arguably changed American literature. He was buried on October the 8th at Westminster Hall and Burying Ground in Baltimore in a ceremony that lasted a mere three minutes. Poe's death certificate has been lost, if it indeed ever existed, and so the cause of death has never been truly determined or independently confirmed. Dr. Moran wrote in his own private report that Poe died of brain congestion a diagnosis that really could mean anything or nothing at all, simply that he had died of an illness which affected his brain and his outward behaviour. Dr. Moran did not stick to his original report, but went on to have a successful, if somewhat, or rather very dubious career, touring America, retelling the tale of Poe's last days as Poe's work became more widely known. And as Dr. Moran toured America, the tale he told became ever wilder and ever more incredulous. He actually wrote three accounts of Poe's death, but gave three different dates for Poe's death, and he mentioned wildly differing symptoms. And in the last account that Dr. Moran wrote about Poe, he layered his telling with religious overtones, which Poe's friends absolutely refuted. As it is with any mystery, mistakes and inconsistencies seem to converge on a singular event, making a mockery of any kind of transparency. Why, for example, did Dr. Moran claim that he immediately informed Poe's aunt, Maria Clem, of Poe's condition, while in fact 
Maria Clem herself was given absolutely no forewarning or information that Poe was dying and she had to write to the hospital and demand answers one full month after Poe had died. Why? Well, there is no answer, but some have speculated that Dr. Moran was told to withhold evidence, though why he should do so has never been fully answered. Another question is whose clothes was Poe wearing when he was found in Ryan's tavern? For even though people had opposing theories as to his cause of death, it seems that friends and enemies alike agreed those clothes he wore when he was found were not his. But if not his, then whose? Again, no answer has ever been found to this and many, many other questions. So the fact that his death was shrouded with mystery was the basis for the theories, realistic and wild, that emerged almost immediately following Poe's death. Now, especially two theories caught the attention and not least the imagination of the gothic horror-loving society of the age. One theory claimed that he had died of alcoholism and another that he had been the victim of cooping. Poe's acquaintance, Joseph Snodgrass, the one who had him admitted to hospital, later claimed that Poe had had the stench of intoxication upon him, and Snodgrass spread this account far and wide. It must be said that Snodgrass was a man of the temperance movement, and he saw in Poe's fate a very great and effective worst-case scenario on the dangers of alcohol. In other words, he used Poe as a frightening example and greatly exaggerated Poe's beastly condition when he met him. However, the doctors attending Poe, including Dr. Moran, never mentioned any stench of alcohol about Poe as he was admitted to hospital, and Snodgrass's account was even by his contemporaries questioned and deemed untrustworthy, or in the very least self-serving. And though friends conceded that Poe drank more than his fair share during difficult times, Poe had in fact, for several years at the time of his death, been a member of a temperance group, and the group's members had no reason to believe that he had forsworn his pledge when he died. However, the group was only a small one, and their arguments were completely drowned out by one booming voice, that of the literary editor and poet Rufus Wilmot Griswold who on the 9th of October, that is to say the day after Poe's burial, published an obituary of Poe in the New York Tribune. Now, initially, this obituary was signed only by a Ludwig, but it soon emerged that Griswold was the author. And while the obituary praised the literary achievements of Poe, the writer, it was absolutely scathing in its portrayal of Poe the man, who was presented as a hopeless, erratic, depraved specimen of a man completely given over to alcohol. 
Griswold, a one-time friend, now turned bitter rival of Poe, suddenly declared himself the best of friends after Poe was dead, and through trickery or mistaken identity, secured himself the position of executor of Poe's will, though Poe had never actually expressed such a wish. Historians have later uncovered how Griswold stole Poe's unfinished materials and passed them off as his own, while he fabricated writings which he passed off as Poe's, not least the falsified biography, Memoir of an Author. In this biography, Poe is depicted as a cold-hearted, ambitious man driven to insanity by his immoral living. So in a way, Edgar Allan Poe died twice, once by means unknown and then by character assassination, led not least by Griswold. Now, those of his contemporaries who were more sympathetically inclined feared that Poe had been a victim of foul play. He was found in Ryan's Tavern on election day in Baltimore, and this soon gave rise to a rumor that he may have been the victim of cooping. Cooping was a fraudulent scheme aimed at multiplying votes for a specific candidate. Victims of cooping were abducted as they walked to the streets, transported to secret houses, and held against their will in a room called a coop, where they were threatened, drugged, beaten, and sometimes forced to intake copious amounts of alcohol before being disguised in new clothes and then transported to a ballot box where they then were forced to vote for the candidate of choice for this election gang. Cooping was a phenomenon, but it is unclear when we look back to those times how widespread it actually was. Was it more feared than a real threat? We cannot answer that question. But the theory of Poe being a victim of cooping does answer several questions. One, the unusual clothing that Poe was found in. They were ill-fitting and of a much poorer quality than Poe's usual attire. Poe's disorientation and his disheveled state, and the fact that he disappeared for several days, which he himself could not account for, might have been the result of being drugged, undernourished, and being held in a room without light for days. Modern historians have added to the cooping theory by suggesting that Poe's death was the result of rabies contracted by rat's bites during his captivity in the coop. But this does actually raise even more questions because rabies does not always kill the sufferer immediately. That can sometimes take weeks or even months. And though some symptoms from rabies align with those of delirium, there are no oral records or even written records of Poe suffering from a fear of water or uncontrollable excitement, which are also very common symptoms at the onset of rabies. If Poe was a victim of cooping, it would have been a risky affair. 
for he must have told his abductors who he was, and the name Edgar Allan Poe was, if not a household name, certainly a name that could be ascertained to belong to a a person of note, and that would make abducting him a risky affair that would have been best discontinued. So, was he then thrown into Ryan's tavern before or after he had been used to secure a fraudulent vote? We do not know. It is telling that no one ever came forward to claim to have seen a man of Poe's description at any Poe station in Baltimore, so there is no independent corroboration for this theory, though it was long held as the truth by 19th century historians. But what about the theory of modern historians? Well, they too are as divided as the 19th century historians in their opinions, and they range from death by suicide because of depression, syphilis, diabetes, and so on. The biographer Jeffrey Myers, he, in his biography of Poe, leans towards foul play and murder by persons unknown as the cause of death while professor in American literature James Hutchinson suggests that Poe died of a malignant neurological malady. It is into this debate that the author, Matthew Pearl, whom I mentioned at the onset of this episode, put forward his theory some years ago that points at a cancerous disease being the cause of death. He found evidence of this while researching for his own book, The Poe Shadow, which, incidentally, is a very entertaining, though highly fictional, account of Poe's demise. During a book promotion tour, Pearl was asked by one of his fans why the authorities simply could not exhume Poe's body and perform a post-mortem on the remains to finally answer the question of how and why Poe died. Now, the ready answer to that is that to exhume Poe's body, one would first have to destroy the monument above his grave, which was set up in 1875. And there is, quite rightly, a hesitation in doing that. After all, we as modern people would be doing it merely to satisfy our own curiosity. And at some point, the dead do have a right to rest in peace. But thinking over this question, Matthew Pearl discovered that Poe's body had been examined before. Way back in 1875, when Poe was reburied, his body was transferred from the back of the churchyard where he lay initially to a more resplendent grave at the front of Westminster Hall and Burying Ground in Baltimore. An article from 1875 in the Baltimore Gazette mentioned that a medical gentleman had examined the body as it was being dug up, and the said medical gentleman remarked how the brain, which for some reason was visible, was intact and showed no signs of decay, though it was markedly diminished in size. Three years later, in 1878, another article mentioned how another witness to the transferal of Poe's body had noticed how the brain seemed shrunken and hardened and rattled within the skull. Now this is interesting evidence, and just a slight warning here if you'd rather do without the medical details. But 
In the matter of decomposition, the brain is the first to liquefy and does not under usual circumstances harden and would certainly not do so if cause of death was drugs, alcohol, syphilis or diabetes. These causes would actually quicken the liquidation of the brain. But there is one condition in which the brain can diminish in size. When calcification, that is to say the brain calcifies, hardens in the advanced stages of a brain tumour. And this would also make the brain look shrunken while the rest of the body decomposed. When the author Matthew Pearl took his hypotheses to coroners and neurobiological experts, they conceded that the symptoms displayed by Pearl were similar to symptoms seen in patients suffering from undiagnosed or untreated brain tumour that was very advanced. And in the 1840s, where MR scans were not available, they would have had to treat a patient merely from their symptoms, which in the case of a brain tumour might very well be mistaken for delirium, acute alcohol withdrawal, or alcohol poisoning, or indeed the vague brain congestion. Several modern Poe biographers and historians have taken to Matthew Pearl's suggestion that Poe died of a brain tumour. So much time has passed since Poe's quiet death in 1849, so the truth may never be found. But the theory of a brain tumour is based on first-hand evidence and can be traced through oral and written accounts. In this way, this theory is substantial, if not definitive. It is not as devious as murder, not as gothically fascinating as cooping, but it is, and was, a tragic end, for the symptoms of a brain tumour must have been horrific to suffer in a closed-off room with barred windows and no familiar face in sight. Whatever caused his untimely death, Edgar Allan Poe died a lonely and tragic figure. I hope you liked this episode. If yes, please leave a like as it really helps with getting the podcast to notice. Until next time, I have been Eva and thanks so much for listening.